Well, it's good to see you if you're a guest. I'm David, and I'm the pastor here. If you're online, it's good to have you all as well, especially guests. You see more and more people come back every week. That's great. Still got good social distancing in case someone from the state of New Mexico is watching online. Still have a, the chairs are a good way apart. You're sitting in family groups. Y'all are all good. So we're, in case anybody wonders, we're still, we're still semi-compliant to everything. We can't. We're in a series right now uh, on, uh, called The Night Before from John 13. I had to look up, I remember what it was. Uh, the Night Before Jesus Was Crucified. Started this series in 1st of June, going to go through the end of July, which is next week. Uh, all four Gospels talk about events dealing with the night before the crucifixion. John has the most material, and a large hunk of the material that John has in, in John 14 through 16 is this teaching. And two weeks, or one week, I should say, from this Friday night on the 31st, we have something called the deep fry. Uh, that's where we go deep into a section of scripture, and we're going to go deep into John 14, 15, and 16. It starts at 630, goes to 10. Invite you to be a part of that. So we've seen, you know, in John 13, and we're really coming to the end of the chapter today. And next week, uh, we're going to conclude a series. I'm going to go back to the passage on love one another. I'm not going to preach the same message, but it's an important passage. Come back to it. Kind of wrap the whole series up. Um, but so far we have seen that Jesus said, I've got a new commandment for you, love one another. We asked the question, what does love look like? Last week we saw a critically important part of Scripture. Jesus saying, now is the Son of Man glorified, the glory of Christ. Glory represents or reveals the holiness of God. Our God is holy. We cannot come into the presence of the holiness. We come instead of the presence of the glory. The ultimate glorification of God is Jesus Christ. And with all of that said, and, and all of that, the glory, and, and we come to the love, you know, then Peter, Peter has a question he's going to ask, and Peter just kind of sells by all of that. And so we're going to see today kind of what Peter is most famous for, and we're going to see the denial. But this whole 13th chapter wraps up in verse 36, 37, and 38 with Jesus talking about Peter denying him later on in that night. <clears throat> and here's what the passage says. Simon Peter asked him, Lord... Where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. You will deny you know me three times. And here's the thing I want you to see from the message today. It's really quite simple. No one who follows Jesus ever wants to deny him. I mean, no one who follows him ever wants to deny him. And I met anybody who said, I want to deny Jesus. I'm a follower, I'm a Christian, and yet I want to deny him. Never seen that. No one who follows Jesus wants to deny him. So we're going to talk then, to start off with, about denying Jesus. And, and we come to Peter. And Peter, Peter is the man. I mean, Peter is the, the leader of these disciples he is the leader of the early church. I mean, it's just, it's almost without question. Even, you know, coming up from a Baptist background, and sometimes we Baptists and evangelicals, you know, we're leery of the Roman Catholics who said Peter's the first pope, and so we're leery of that, and we want to kind of downplay the significance of Peter. And I've heard Peter say, no, Peter, you know, really wasn't the leader. He was important. Yes, not the leader. Listen, read the Gospels, all right? You read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know who the lead apostle was? It's Peter, clearly. Read the first half of the books of Acts. You know, there are two guys in the book of Acts focus on. I know it focuses on Jesus. I get that. It focuses on two guys, Peter and Paul. First half is Peter. He's leading the way. And Peter is most famous for one thing, above all else, of denying Jesus. That was what we know him for. And all four Gospels talk about it. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you know, the synoptic Gospels, they kind of tell the same thing. 
that Jesus had the apostles together. He said, look, you know, you guys are going to deny me. You're going to flee from me. You're going to disown me. And Peter says, I'm not going to do that. He says, I'm not going to leave you. And Jesus says, yeah, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And he says, no, Lord, I'm, I'm going to lay my life down for you if I need to. And then later on, in the same chapters that talk about Peter doing that, Peter is confronted with something by someone. And he's like, do you know Jesus? He's like, no, I don't know him. He gets confronted three times, actually curses Jesus and saying he doesn't know him. I mean, it's pretty severe denial. But John really tells the same story. John adds, in the 21st chapter, though, John adds the fact that Jesus reinstated Peter. In fact, the Gospels end with Peter being reinstated by Jesus, and then the book of Acts picks up. And, and then Jesus, I mean, Peter's like the main guy in Acts. I mean, this is a pretty significant guy. But, 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 he, but he has this whole issue about the island. So here's what happens. When you come to the 13th chapter, all right, You've done the, 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 you know, the washing of the apostles' feet. They've done that. You know, Judas is gone. And so in, in verse 31, we saw this last week. Jesus says, now is the Son of Man glorified. I mean, to be glorified is to reveal the holiness of God. The Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in me. I mean, God is glorified in Jesus. That's pretty bold talk. I mean, it's revealing the holiness of God. Then he mentions that he's going to go away and they can't come. And then he says, now because of this, because I'm going to be glorified and I'm glorified and I'm leaving, you guys, I'm giving you a brand new commandment. You love one another. And that's how people will know you're my disciples. Love one another. Here's an interesting thing. Jesus told his disciples to love one another because he knew they would always love him. He was never worried about his disciples loving him. In fact, even today in Christianity... Everybody loves Jesus. I mean, there are churches. I mean, you go to churches that are Christian churches. Do you love Jesus? Well, yeah. It's never the issue. It's the other things. Think about this. This is Peter, all right? And you got this. Peter's going to ask a question. Jesus just said, God is glorified in me. That's pretty big. You might, Jesus, I mean, Peter might say, so Jesus, in other words, here's the question I'm going to ask. You're saying, holy God is seen in you. You reveal the holiness of God. He didn't ask that. Jesus said, I want you guys to go love one another. That's, I'm summing up everything. You go love one another, and that's how everybody will know you're my disciple. And, he, and Peter could have said, so let me get this straight, Jesus. You want us to love? Tell us once again what love is so we'll get this straight. He could have asked that. No, that's not what Peter asked. Peter asked this. Where are you going? I mean, you said you're leaving. Where are you going? We're, we're ready. You know, we... Remember what I've told you in this sermon series. They expected Jesus as the Messiah to establish the kingdom right now. I mean, they, they've been arguing. Luke 22, they were arguing. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? I mean, Peter's like, I'm, you know, I'm going to be the greatest. I'm the head guy. You know, Thomas is over there saying, I doubt it. I don't think so. <laughs> That's the second time I used that joke. You didn't laugh the first time. I see it took you a while. So I got to know. You, you guys take a couple times to use jokes before you get them. All right. You know, they, then they're going back and forth. And then they're doing all that stuff. And, and, and all these things are happening. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus is going to be going away. And that's true. And that's what they're concerned about. And so Peter says, well, just, where are you going? And then Jesus says to him, listen, where I'm going, 
you can't follow, but at some point you'll follow later on. He's saying, you, you can't, you're worried about following me. You can't follow me. See, these guys thinking, all right, he's going to establish the kingdom, the messianic reign. We're going with him, and he's leaving, and Peter's saying, where are you going? We've got to follow him. And Jesus says, you've got to follow me. The idea of following is to be the disciple. And Jesus, you know, it, it says, he, he called the disciples, come follow me. I've said this many, 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 many times, and I'll say it many more times. To be a Christian is to follow Jesus, nothing more, nothing less. If you don't follow Jesus, you're not a Christian. It's just that simple. He said, right now, you can't follow. He's going to the cross. You can't follow me. But you'll follow me later. In fact, in the 21st chapter, when Peter is reinstated by Jesus, he says, you're going to follow. You're going to die, Peter. That's what's going to happen. Peter, I'm reinstating you as the leader of this movement of men. And then I'm also telling you, you're going to die. So that's just a great day. You're in charge, and you're going to die. That happens on the same day he gets told that. He says, you, you can't follow me. And so Peter says, why can't I follow you? And he says this, I'll lay down my life for you. But you just, what, we want to follow. Why can't we follow? Why can't we come along? He says, Lord, Lord, I'm going to give my life. I'm going to die for you. And he, he was willing to do that. I mean, in, in a few hours, you know, when they come to get Jesus, he's taking a sword out. He's ready to fight, do all that stuff. He, I, I'll give my life. The word life is it's a little unique. Um, there are two basic words for life in the Greek. Now, they probably spoke Aramaic, Hebrew. John writes it into the vivid Greek language. John was just great in using the Greek language. Normally, there's two words for life. One is flesh. It's bios. We got a word biology from it, you know, flesh. The other is zoe. It means life as such, the eternal life. Later on, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The word life, zoe. Life is just meant to be. This isn't either one of those words. This is the Greek word suke. It means soul. We got our word psychology Logos, a word about the suke, the soul. It's the real you. It's the inner self. John is writing that Peter was willing to give the totality of himself for Jesus. It's pretty cool. And so Jesus says, will you really? And he says, here's what you need to know. Truly I say to you, verily, verily, truly, truly. This is not the sixth time that, that Jesus says, truly, truly, or verily I say, or this is the truth. NIV, NIV uh, I think, says very true, and uh, different versions will say different things. But it's the idea of emphasis. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Literally what it says is, not will not the rooster crow. It's emphatic. There ain't no way the rooster's going to crow before you deny me. Now, we, we think of the rooster's crowing at, at you know, Dawn, and, and I'm, I'm not a country guy, I'm a city guy, a lot of my family comes from the country, Debbie and I lived in a parsonage for eight, 14 months in the middle of the country with cows and all that, uh, and we had roosters in the area, and at dawn they would crow. But most likely, you know, roosters in, in that part of the world, if that part of the time, crowed at different times, and they're just saying there's going to be a point where a rooster's going to crow, before that rooster crows, you'll, you'll deny knowing me. I just want you, to, just want you to, to get the whole picture now of all this. It's Passover, and 12 guys go to eat the Passover with the master, Jesus. And, man, they're all pumped. The kingdom's coming. You know, who's going to be the greatest? I don't know. And no one washes the feet of Christ. And so Jesus has to wash these guys' feet as an example of servanthood, pointing to the cross. And then they have the Passover meal, and, you know, they're all talking about things. They're excited. They think Jesus is going to come and establish a kingdom, and Judas doesn't, because Judas knows he's going to betray him. And Jesus has a conversation with Judas, and Judas leaves. And when he leaves, Jesus gathers their 11 and says, okay, come here, come here, come here, come here. Right now, the Son of Man, this me, is glorified because of the coming cross. And get this, God is glorified in me. 
And when I leave, I want you to know this. I'm going to leave. But you guys, I have a new commandment. You love one another. My kingdom will spread. My kingdom will grow when you love one another. And then they begin to talk. And he talks and talks and talks and he asks questions. And then he prays this phenomenal prayer called the high priestly prayer in John 17. And then they're at the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's, it's, it's in the middle of the night. It's 2 o'clock in the morning or something like that, whatever. And he just says, you guys, stay here. Peter, James, and John, you come with me. My soul is troubled to the point of death. I, w- I want you to watch with me while I pray. And I'm like, oh, Lord, it's tired, man. We've been talking. We're ready. We've got the kingdom thing going to happen. And, and he prays, and they kind of hear back and forth a little bit. They fall asleep, and they wake up, and they're hearing him pray about, Father, your will be done. Take the cup and all that. And then it's over. And Jesus says, come on. And so they get up. And all of a sudden, there's this commotion because Judas is coming with all these guys. It's the soldiers of the temple, the guard. And, and, and these guys realize there's a fight going to break out. And they're ready, and they're thinking that finally, at last, the Lord is going to proclaim himself. We're going to get it on. Peter draws out a sword. He starts cutting. He sees the high priest serving Malchus. He's ready. This, is the, this high priest is after Jesus. I'm going to lop his head off. He's got bad aim. Cuts off his ear. Jesus says, stop, 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 stop. And he takes the ear, and the ear is falling in all the dirt. And he wipes it off, and he puts it back on. He didn't even have a sanitation wipe to get it good and clean. Because he's Jesus doesn't need it. There's no cleanliness. Sanitation wipes, I mean, I was thinking the other day, you know, my mom didn't have a sanitation wipe. She took a Kleenex and she spit on it. That did the trick. And it's different, I'm telling you. Now, I was, looking, I was looking in my backyard the other day, and some of the mamas, I'm telling you, there's this little kid walking. He's not this tall. He's got a helmet on. He's walking, wearing a helmet. Not the helmet, there's something wrong with him. A helmet because he can ride a bike. And you know, and the kid's kind of chubby, so if anything happens, he's not going to fall. He's like a weeble. He'll wobble, but he won't fall down, you know. <laughs> and the guy's, the poor dad is behind, is shaking his head. I feel so sorry. And they're fixing to cut across the park. And the mom grabs his hand and yells out at her husband, come on, grab his other hand so he can cut across. And I want to yell out, you're walking on grass. It's not going to be a problem. Man, oh man, oh man. I don't know how I got started on that. I'm going to have to cut a point out of my message to get back on track. Jesus said, I could have called thousands of guys to fight for you. And he does this. He surrenders to the Jews. He goes with them. And, and, and the apostles are like, what, what, what? We're, we're, we're supposed to fight. And he surrenders. What happened? And they're crushed. And one by one, they start walking away. And there's John and Peter left. And they look at each other. And John says, well, I think they're going to go over to the high priest. That's the high priest's servant. I know someone who knows someone. You want to go see what happens? And they went. And they're in the courtyard. And they're hearing rumors and gossip about the trial that's going on. And, and they're like, what? talking about a trial. He's the Messiah. And then someone comes up and, and, and sees Peter and says, and John, you guys with me? Peter says, no, no, we're not with that guy. He surrendered. We're not with him. And someone says, yeah, you're with him. He says, no, 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 no. And one a third person comes up, and then Peter just starts cussing. And then a rooster crows. And Luke tells us that Jesus, they're in the courtyard of the high priest, and there's, there's a portico, there's a porch. And Jesus is about from me to the tech area. Jesus is walking by when the rooster crows. 
And he looks down and sees Peter, and Peter looks up and sees Jesus. And he just realized, I denied Christ. When we don't focus on glorifying God and loving others, we leave ourselves open to denying Jesus. Peter forgot what mattered. He wasn't focused on the glory. He wasn't focused on the love. He was focused on what he wanted, which was to go to war. And when that happened, he was open to denying Jesus. In the 13th chapter of John ends. And so from this point through next week, I'm going to bring our series kind of to summation. And in bringing to summation, I want to begin this way. It's so important. No one, no one who follows Jesus ever wants to deny him. But people deny him all the time. People deny Jesus all the time. The last couple of weeks, I've seen several instances in the world of politics. So, um, and, and, and I don't try to do politics, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offend liberals and conservatives of light on the next few minutes. So all of you who get offended, you, it's all of you. I'm not taking sides in this debate at all, okay? Not that I don't have a position on this idea. And so, on the other day on the TV show, on one of the major uh, news networks, one of the more liberal ones so it wasn't Fox, so got that down, so... There's a guy on who's a, who's a former athlete and actor, very conservative. Uh, uh, I mean, he's a, a Christian, a very committed follower of Christ. And so the guy's interviewing him and then about Jesus, and, and the guy makes a comment. You may have read it. I did some research on it. He says, basically, Jesus wasn't perfect, and Jesus even claimed that he wasn't perfect. And Jesus admitted he wasn't perfect. And I'm just like, oh, good golly. Where did you look? He admitted that where, you know? And then I, I'm driving down the street. I'm driving on, on Loman. And, and I see this old car, and in this car is this old, old hippie. In fact, this hippie's so old, before he was a hippie, he was a beatnik. <laughs> Some of you don't know what beatniks are, okay? But before hippies in the 50s, there were beatniks. And, and, and before there were beatniks, there, I, I don't know what was there, but that was just it, you know. And so, there, and, and, so and, and he's got these bumper stickers, you know, and they're funny. And one of the bumper stickers it caught my eye for some reason of all of them. And he's in this car, by the way, it's as old as him. And the bumper sticker says, Jesus is everything conservatives hate. And I'm like, oh, great. Hemp man is now giving me theology on the back of his car. You know? And then this week, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a, a, a conservative guy, right, uh, and is a Christian, that the COVID-19 thing and uh, all the riots, there, there are signs that Jesus is coming, and so we better get ready. And I'm thinking how fascinating, and all the times that I've read the Gospels, I never realized that the second coming of Christ was tied to the 21st century geopolitical entity of the United States. I thought the second coming of Christ would be ushered in when the gospel is preached to every tribe and tongue in the world like it says. I did not know that. By the way, I am preaching on the sec- a series on the second coming of Christ in the fall of 2021. So it's got a way to go, but we're going to get there. And then there's this other guy who said that if Trump isn't re-elected president... The church as we know it in America will not exist. And I think fascinating. I did not know that the church was dependent on Donald Trump for its existence. I wonder if the church in China that's being persecuted but growing so much that there'll be more Christians in China than America in the year 2030 know that. We deny Jesus all the time. 
all the time. And none of those folks would think they were denying Jesus. And we just look at the world of Christianity to some degree. I don't know how many times I hear people talk about, you know, Mormons as being Christians. Mormonism is not Christianity. It calls itself that. It gets lumped there. But I don't know how to tell you this. And if I offend you, I'm sorry. This is just look it up. Do the research. It's there. They don't believe Jesus is God in the flesh like we do. In fact, if you study Mormonism, what they believe is so bizarre. Remember back in, in May, if you were coming, that I preached about uh, Elisha and I talked about paganism. Remember that? Paganism makes more sense than Mormonism. I'm just telling you. Hey, it does. I mean, you, you think about you know, what you see in, 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 in liberal theology. What denies, it denies the revelation of God, creation, incarnation, resurrection. They deny everything about Jesus. There's nothing left. And you have people that believe in baptismal regeneration. You have groups that says, unless you're baptized, you can't be saved. Really? I thought we were saved by grace. And they'll say, well, no, baptism is a, it's a form of grace. Really? If you have to do something to get grace, grace ain't grace. And there's... It, it doesn't matter. On all parts of the religious spectrum of Christianity, people believe that. Because, like Peter, we can focus on the wrong things, and that's what they do. They don't focus on the things you need to focus on. Christianity is, is a binary faith. By that, I mean there's two components to it. Jesus tells us what those are. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? said that like on Tuesday before the cross. That's the greatest commandment. Love God, love others. There it is. When you love God, you recognize, get this, the glory of God found in Jesus. And you worship him. Simple. When you love others, you realize that you need to bear witness of Christ, not just verbally, but in your whole life. And so you love them and you think, how can I show them my love? And it gets wrong all the time. Because like Peter, we just get focused on other things. And so there's two large movements going on within the Christian world right now. That it's in the 21st century that's a huge concern. And I've mentioned both of these before, but I'll do it again because, you know, it's, it's my job <laughs> to warn you of problems. And sometimes it gets a little rough. It's all right. But you have this whole thing about prosperity Christianity. It's a movement that's growing that fundamentally in Christianity, we are called to live the blessed life. And by living the blessed life, we benefit. We benefit from Christ. And primarily that benefit comes in the form of health and wealth. That we, we, if you have enough faith, it's dependent on you having faith. You can have prosperity. You can have wealth. And that's what it's about. This goes back to the 20th century, a guy named Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin was followed by Kenneth Copeland, followed by Joyce Myers, followed, you know, by those guys, you know, Benny Hinn, Joel Osteen, all those guys. They do this. And the fundamental advantage of Christianity, the reason you become a Christian is what you get out of it. And the major doctrinal flaw is very simple. That just as Jesus is the son of God, you and I can be sons and daughters of God in the exact same way as Jesus. If we will but have faith. And so the holiness of God just gets shoved aside. And the focus becomes on you, and prosperity Christianity ends up denying love. Hey, love one another. Prosperity Christianity denies love because it says you're the focus. What can you get out of it? You can be blessed. You can be healthy. You can be wealthy. And they'll tell you they love other people, but they don't. 
and it's growing in popularity. You know why it's growing in popularity? Because that's what people want to hear. It's all about me. And it grows. The other end of the spectrum is, is progressive Christianity. Progressive Christianity basically says that Christianity needs to progress to keep up with the culture. And that as the culture becomes more diverse and as people change, Christianity needs to change with it. And so we need to be more accepting of other religious views and other ideas and other indoctrinations. And it's the idea that all, all paths lead to the same place. And it's the idea that we can learn from other religions and get truth from them. And I could take you to churches in our city right now if they were open. Oh, they're open. Hopefully they're not open. Please don't let them be open. <laughs> and you could go to there and the people who, who lead that church will tell you that other religious faiths and convictions are equally as valid as ours. And when this happens, progressive Christianity denies holiness. They deny the holiness of God. And I tell you these two things, not you know, just to pick on them, but it's truth. And, and truth is truth, no matter how you like it or not. And so what happens is we have this, these ideas coming into the Christian faith that people are buying into that reflect not Jesus, but the culture and the world in which we're living. The idea of prosperity and progressiveness, the changing of the faith, and the using of the faith for personal gain. And here's the thing. Prosperity and progressiveness deny the need for salvation because they're not focused on people needing Jesus. They're focused on something else entirely. And here's what Jesus said. Now is the Son of Man glorified. The holiness of God is revealed in him. Oh, okay. Now you go love other people. And in telling us those two things, Jesus is making it clear what it means to be his follower. It's to give glory to God and to reach people for Christ. And people say, you know, we do talk about this all the time. Why do we focus so much on that? Because that's what Jesus tells us to. But here's the other thing. It's pretty cool. If you will live your life to glorify God and to love others, you won't have to worry about denying Jesus. Just won't. And people deny Jesus all the time. Should we be worried about it? Shouldn't be worried about it. Because here's what I know. If I'll live my life to bring glory to God in everything I say and everything I do. And I will live my life to help people come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ by loving them and sharing the gospel with them and reaching out to them and ministering to them. I don't ever have to worry about denying Jesus. That means I won't sin. Oh, I'm going to sin. Oh, man. That means we're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean we're perfect or we're not perfect. It just means that we don't have to worry about denying Jesus. And here's what I know. Nobody who follows Jesus ever wants to deny Jesus. But people will deny him all the time. We live always with the danger of being focused on ourselves and what we can get out of Christianity. And when we focus on what we can get, get out of faith, we're going to deny Jesus. Or we're focused on how we can make everybody feel good about themselves and not recognize that there are sinners in rebellion against God, but everything's okay. And when we do that, we deny Jesus. Nobody wants to deny Jesus. It's quite possible that some of you today may live in, in, in a way in which you deny him. And you deny him because either you do not follow Christ as Savior or because 
you do not glorify God or because you don't love other people. Nobody has to live in denial forever. I mean, here's the thing. Peter denied Jesus. And then Peter went on to become the leader of the church that changed the world. Why? Because he didn't deny Jesus for long. If you've never trusted Christ to be the Savior of your life, the invitation for you is to give your life to Christ. To trust him, to quit living in the world of denial. And you can do that today. In just a moment when we have our invitation, you can come forward and say, I want to trust Christ. Or right where you are, you can give your life to Jesus. If you're watching online, you can give your life to Christ right now, just trusting to be your Savior. In a moment, there'll be a phone number pop up on the line, and you can type respond, and someone will get with you about that. If you're a follower of Jesus, so let me just ask you this, are you glorifying him? Because if you're glorifying Jesus, then you don't have to worry about denying him. If you're not glorifying him, why not? Do you need to make the commitment today to give glory to Christ in your life, to worship God the way he should? Do you love people? Because if you really love people the way Christ wants us to love them, you're not going to deny the Lord. Instead, you're going to bear witness in your life to Christ for them. So if you need to repent of some sin in your life that keeps you from glorifying or from loving, you need to do that as well. I, I, I don't know what you need to do. But I know this. Nobody wants to leave here denying Jesus. So don't. Father, for Peter, we thank you. Because he is just so real to all of us, just really like we are. And through all his sins and all his failures and all his faults, Lord, we still see a man who gave his life to you completely to the point where he died. Father, don't let us deny Jesus like Peter did. Don't let us deny Jesus at all. But let us, Father, give our lives to Christ and salvation. In doing so, worship you and give glory to you and bear witness to people and love them like Jesus. Father, let us leave this place today never having to worry about whether or not we deny you, but knowing completely and totally we follow you. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Would you stand? We'll be here at the front. You may come.